Hey listeners, my name is Elisha, the founder of the Witnesses Podcast. It's so beautiful to have you listening to our podcast. And I want you to know something that that means a whole lot to me. Thank you for tuning in. And one thing I love to tell all of our listeners is, it's not just about you listening, but listening to understand. Understanding is the most important thing. So important. So, you have to listen, learn, and practice. Thank you so very much and happy listening. Hi, Nicole. It's so nice to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. That's so good. Okay, so you know, oftentimes I love to talk about the essence of this show, which is to invite amazing guests, amazing guests like Nicole to come talk to us about their triumphant stories. Why is that? Um, the reason is we believe that in our audience there might be someone okay, who is talked up in a situation that you came out of triumphantly. So but that but mm-hmm. that person listening to yeah, listening to you speak, he or she might actually pick an information that will lead to the transformation. So that's basically the essence of the show. Okay, Nicole, so within the next few minutes, let us get started. With your story, the challenges the story, that you faced. The challenges that you faced. And now you overcame them. Now you overcame them. And yeah. afterwards, and afterwards, I've got some beautiful questions I've got for some you. Beautiful questions for you. Oh, great! I'm excited. Uh-huh. Well, I I guess a good way to start out is that I am married. Uh, have been married for about 14 years, and I have two beautiful little girls. Um, about five years into our marriage, we had our first little one, and she was such a joy. One of the happiest little babies you could ever imagine and it was such a joyful experience to be entered into a new world of motherhood um i understood female strength before but when i labored for 29 hours totally unmedicated pushed for 15 minutes almost break every blood vessel in my face bringing life into the world i i say i'm kind of like transported into a world of technicolor (laughs) from black and white Um, It was a very empowering experience for me. And so around one year of life for our our oldest, uh, we decided we wanted to uh, have another one. And what we thought would be an easy experience turned out to be not so much. I experienced a physical ailment that would have essentially put me not only in mind-bending pain, but had the unfortunate side effect of uh, infertility. So I would experience infertility for about three years. And as I often say, pain is a great motivator. I actively seek solutions to this ailment that would take me out of pain, but uh, physically, but also spiritually, because anybody that knows what it is to go through infertility, it, it is a very challenging emotional and spiritual experience. So I started to alleviate some of the symptoms, which kind of transported me into a new season of miscarriages. And unfortunately I was losing um, uh, babies uh, for consistently for about a year. And what I thought was a challenging period of infertility, uh, I was not prepared for that season of miscarriages. So thankfully I continued down that path for healing and I ended up conceiving my second daughter Um, Her resilience was proven from the very start. Uh, She stuck around 
for the long haul and at 37 weeks gestation, uh, I would go into labor at the height of COVID. And the thing with COVID, uh, I don't know how it is around the world, but uh, here in the United States, we had limitations to access to medical care. So if you were considered low risk, everything was telehealth or and or uh, curbside service. And I really do mean that. <laughs> like we went and got uh, prenatal in parking garages and of all medical or really any curbside service, I think gynecological <laughs> is just not a, a curbside service type thing. So it was just, um, it was very challenging. So my 36 week test didn't happen because of COVID restrictions, which meant that when I went into labor, uh, they didn't want to introduce an infection. So in 27 hours, they touched me very minimal. So around 37 hours and still a completely unmedicated uh, labor, they found out I had what they call a prolapse cord. Prolapse cord is when the umbilical cord comes out in advance of the baby and pinches off oxygen flow. She immediately is going into distress. Um, and again, I hadn't been touched for a while, so they decided to check me, realize I have a prolapse cord. They sound these alarms, people are running in, everybody's jumping on the gurney, we're being rushed to the OR. I am just absolutely out of my mind and panic, like what is happening? Everything was fine and everything's not fine. And I am, when you don't have an epidural, you're put under general anesthesia. So within 10 minutes, they've ripped her out of me. I'm not there, obviously conscious, but my husband's not there because our daughter is suffocating to death. So I wake up in the OR and I have no child. And they don't really explain to me why. They just we're just left in the recovery room for hours. And I'm like high out of my mind. Little known is that when you come out of anesthesia uh, without an epidural, you feel everything, like everything that just happened to you. So they try to give you narcotics to catch up with the pain so that you can, but it just never did. So I ended up having to go off of narcotics and I, I ended up doing the whole thing cold turkey. Like, which is, with, with just some Tylenol, which was just wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, it took four days for them to realize that uh, this was not good. So she, in that four day period of recovering, she's displaying really erratic behavior. Um, she looks like she's having seizures. She can't um, latch for nursing, suck and swallow. Her eyes are rolling in the back of her head. She's hardly able to wake up. And when she does, she's erratic all these crazy things. And um, again, COVID meant that nobody was allowed to visit. We weren't, all restaurants were closed. Yeah, it was it was a very isolating season. And so we're transferred into NICU, which is um, what happens here in the US when, when essentially your kid's in um, medical distress and were put into a month period of exploratory. So they do every test known to mankind, spinal taps, like brain scans, like everything. And we leave NICU not really knowing, at least them not really explaining, I'll be honest. Um, they didn't really explain a whole lot 
in fact, they never told me that when she was born, again, I wasn't, you know, conscious, my husband wasn't there, that she was born not breathing. And they had to literally bring the breath back into her lungs in order for her to live. And um, I feel like that's something you should probably tell the parent. <laughs> like, but they did. Yeah. So uh, I, how I found out that she was resuscitated was over uh, nursing shift change. They kind of give you um, like a lowdown of medical history. I'm like, you resuscitated her? Like they didn't tell me this. And then I think a day later I had a confirmed an insurance that was like $736 for resuscitation of newborn infant. That was a line item on our insurance. It was like, oh my gosh. So what would happen is essentially we'd be kind of, they have a requirement to leave NICU that you have certain standards, right? They need to be able to self-feed and maintain, like, like continue to breathe on their own. So they gave us an, a, a jet gastric tube. So that's, we put her into surgery and it's, they attach the stomach and the abdominal wall together. They puncture a hole and they put a tube because she wasn't, everything that was coming through her mouth were going into her lungs. And also she had issues with breathing, um, but she was able to, you know, keep it together long enough for us to get home. And it was just a very isolating period too, because, you know, nobody really could help. No family could come, no friends could come clean your house or bring you food. Uh, people would ask me, you know, how, how, how can we help you? And we, I was so overwhelmed at this point that the fact that they asked what they could do was another task. I was so consumed with trying to keep her alive, breath in her lungs, food in her body, very intense, isolating, depressed state in which I really can't really describe because it was this sort of a time warp, you know, you're so dis detached from the situation that you're just taking like the tasks one at a time to get through a 24 hour block at a time. That's all we could do. Cause she was on a, on a pump, like, and I had to have monitors all the time. So she was fed 24 seven and we had to, I had to pump the bot, uh, milk for me, fortify it, put it into a pump, pump it into her. And that was just like on cycle 24 seven. And so about six months in, we would be given the formal diagnosis of cerebral palsy. And for those of you who don't know what that is, essentially it's a uh, neuromuscular disorder that is often dry, it's derived from brain damage. Now, how you get the brain damage is it varies uh, on cases, but in the instance of my daughter, she had low oxygen flow through her her. 27 hour labor and then she suffocated because she was out without oxygen about 10 15 minutes so that causes brain damage and every case of cp is totally different in the case of my daughter she was unable to obviously self-feed she could suck swallow um she had issues with breathing she stopped breathing a lot um she can't talk she can't walk she's four years old now and is still um battling through her own unique case. And I will say this though, one thing that is very apparent and became very apparent through this uh, process was that 
doctors only have educated guesses. They can only look at the damage on an MRI and tell you what might be. And they often will default towards the extreme case of that possible reality, right? She may, may never eat, she may never speak, she may never talk. And what I'll tell you is that today she is gastric tube free. She drinks on her own. She is working her hardest to, to be able to eat. Uh, age appropriate, she should be able to eat pretty much anything. Her oral motor functions more like a 12 month old. So, but she's getting there and she tries so hard to talk. She actually speaks sign language. She's very, very smart. A uh, lot of frustration for her because she was unable to communicate for a really long time and she knows what's going on. It's very frustrating, I imagine, to have these thoughts and wants and desires and just so, just want to get it out. But there's no way for her, her muscle, it affects her muscles. So even in her mouth, she can't form words. Now she can make sounds. Girl can, got some lungs, she can scream <laughs> with the best of them, but you know, she's frustrated. So, and then she walks with a little walker um, little yellow walker and uh, she is just striving at her own rate and we've learned through this process to every child is unique yeah. you know that's the one thing that's not unique about children is <laughs> they're all unique right <laughs> so we're just taking at one step at a time and celebrating those those tiny victories as they come and we're just so glad that the breath is in her lungs because it, it often wasn't. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Okay, so, yeah. um, okay, so um, what's your daughter name? What's her, what's name? your daughter name? What's her name? Her name is Cosette. Cosette. Hmm. Cosette. Beautiful. Yes. Okay, and so it means can... victorious okay, little one. Well, okay, it means what? Okay, it means what? Victorious little one. Oh, victorious. Yeah, that's that's very good. I love that thing. Yeah, we we, we chose it for the for the meaning of it. Yeah, we, we yeah. believe that she would. And... Yeah. You got it from Simi Hiding Cosette. Cosette. Okay, so um. Okay, so um, let us begin with the question. Let us begin with the question. Sure. Can you talk more about pain? Can you talk more about says, pain? How does pain, pain breeds purpose, purpose and find joy? And find joy. Man, <laughs> that is such a good question. Thank you. It, it is this weird dichotomy. I would say that pain is the greatest blessing for advancement personal development so as human beings we actually require pain in order to to become better and more aware of who we are as people our relationships with god the world it is incredibly powerful tool that nobody wants to use it's it's an awful thing but it's so joyful so I, I try to explain it like I have two daughters. One is totally normal path, one that it isn't. 
one that has a very distant relationship with pain, one that is very personal. And throughout our journey thus far, I really contemplated on that because I was told so often that my oldest daughter, her name is Ari, is the advantaged child. She is the one that is blessed because she doesn't have to experience pain in the way that my youngest Cosette does. And the reality is, is that actually Cosette is the blessed one because in life as a parent, I actually almost have to falsify an environment of pain in order for her to, to strive and uh, through things because we need pain in order to push through in order to get advancements. Right? So here I have two examples in which the world is saying the, the former, that the original easy, street kind of kid is the advantage one in reality um my younger one that is is living daily with pain um is just this deeper understanding of what purpose is as a human be being that we're not supposed to seek out a life that is free from pain we're supposed to live out a life that's capable of advancing through pain because we can never success ourselves out of pain that's the reality no matter how much money you have no matter how beautiful like the scenario you're born into and how perfect it seems we're often really just shocked to find out that no matter how much we have materially um, pain still finds us and if you're not able to have that pain in order to understand how to work through it life gets really hard, even though it's really not that hard. You have everything you need, right? So, um, yeah, that was such a really great question. <laughs> the, the beautiful answer. Okay, oh, so you. the last okay, question. So the last question. How did you get into, you get into human rights human. work? I love that question. So my parents were very highly um, philanthropic minded, uh, service minded. We worked with a lot of at risk youth they did, um, during my childhood. Um, and so we just culturally as a family, if someone needed help, you get up, you help. Right. So it, and joyfully, it wasn't an obligation, not nothing forcible about it. So I think that that really laid a, a very solid foundation for what would be, uh, my career path. And, I grew up, I went and got a master's in law and public policy and sort of ended up on the communication side of global human rights. And I've dealt with many, many di different topics in many, many different parts of the world. Um, and it really shined a light on, on the reality of the human condition is only influenced by the culture we're in. It doesn't really, like I said, pain there's not a culture that pain is, doesn't exist in, right? In struggle. It's just the way in which culture sort of manipulates human value and imposes different types of hardships on others. And that was a big, big lesson for me too, especially when, you know, we're all born into our own culture. We're all born into our own part of the world that God's placed us. You know, we're kind of in that shell. We don't understand what it's like in, you know, South America and Argentina, right? Like, I'm not from Argentina. <laughs> I don't know what your hardships are. I don't, I don't know what it's like to be from Belgium. I don't know where it's like to be from Armenia. Like, you get what I mean. So, but, but 
hardship finds itself there too. And so I, I know that the best parts of life are when we serve and try our best to alleviate those pain, that pain that our people are experiencing all over the world because their value, their dignity is equal. We're all equal inside God. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. We should stand up and, and strive to serve other people in the best way we can, because what else is there to live for? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like we should. So it's, it's, it's been such a joyful, um, a sad in some ways, but a very joyful career path that I've been very grateful for. Very, very grateful. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, so Nicole. Okay, so Nicole. In conclusion. In conclusion. Let's say there is a piece of advice. A piece of advice that you would like to give to the audience. Like to give to the audience. What would that be? What would that be? And let's say there are. And let's say there are some people. Some people who would like to reach out to you. Like to reach out to you. How can that be possible? How can that be possible? I would say my biggest piece of advice and trying to keep in context of what you were saying is your mission, uh, which is if somebody is hearing this that is going through something similar, um, what is it that could bring you through another day? And oftentimes journeys like this, they are journeys. They're not an event that happens and then you're, you're through it. Understand that the person you are after this event happened is a completely different person than the person before the event happened. We cannot look back at that person and try to strive to be that person again, because it cannot be, it never can be. You can only take that moment and step forward every single day with an understanding that it is a journey and you're on this journey for the rest of your life. And if you were able to sit and examine the heartache that you're experiencing and allow it to be something to be examined and give yourself opportunities to grieve, to, to think through the hardship that you're in, right? The more you examine that, is, the more you can walk through past and find the joys in it. Because that was one big piece about my journey as a parent through the situation was that my daughter didn't meet my expectations and she can never meet my expectations. Not in, not in the way of like, Hey, you give birth. It's normal. Like, and I needed to be okay with grieving those dead expectations, explore them because the problem is if I, if I sit in the, grieving process too long or don't or don't examine the grieving process don't like participate in it then i will lose the joy that i was designed to have with my daughter the unique joy that she can only bring and so i really encourage you to like understand that you're a different person and that person though is having a hard time and uh, needs to sit and examine that grief and really process that grief the person that's beyond it is going to be so much joyful and, and so much happier than you could have ever imagined despite it. Um, and honestly, because of it, it's, it's a weird thing. So, um, I 
I do have a nonprofit um, that we're kind of like a bridge organization. We take um, struggles that are out there within culture and we try to alleviate, essentially you have a struggle, like in my case, I'm a, uh, a mother of a disabled child. We, we try to essentially like, hey, what's going on in your life and what organizations out there can help meet your needs? So it's kind of a bridge between it because I know that as a parent going through this, that is one of the hardest things. Like I'm really struggling. I know there are people out there that really want to help me, um, but where do I find those people, you know? So we're called Dignity Defense Institute and you can find us at dignitydefense.org. And we also have a very similar podcast pro called Pro Dignity, No Doubt. And we really highlight, um, you know, stories like mine, but also in trafficking, also in enslavement, also in, you know, just all sorts of different, really um, amazing stories of resilience um, to give hope often as well. So um, yeah, that's how you can find me. Beautiful. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. Really means yeah, a lot. Thank you. So that's going to be the end of so the show. The thank you for coming, Nicole. Thank you, Elijah. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode. Your support means the world to us, and we truly value you. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated.